Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, a podcast for senior living leaders who are looking to stay ahead of the curve in the industry. On this show, we feature leaders and innovators in senior living who are pushing the boundaries and creating new, effective services and solutions. And now, let's settle in as host Jennifer Drago connects us with today's guests. Welcome to Senior Living Visionaries, where we showcase the leaders and innovators in the field of senior living who are shaping our future. I'm your host, Jennifer Drago, strategy consultant and CEO of Peak to Profit. And today I'm so excited to welcome Sue Paul, who is the Senior Director of Wellbeing and Brain Health at Asbury Communities. We're going to talk about all things wellness and brain health, so um, I'm such a fan and so excited to learn more about Asbury's project projects. Sue is a licensed occupational therapist with more than 30 years of experience working with older adults with orthopedic and neurological conditions, specializing in neurogenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. Sue's a certified health coach and functional aging specialist, as well as a brain trainer. She's certified through the American Council on Exercise. She was appointed the Virginia I. Jones Alzheimer's and Related Disorders Council by Governor by Governor Hogan in 2020 and was a longtime ambassador for the Alzheimer's Association to Maryland's Congressional 6th District. She's the founder and executive director of Seniorscapes, Inc., a nonprofit whose mission is to create safe and accessible public parks that are also dementia-friendly for older adults. And that's fantastic. I want to learn more about that as well. So welcome, Sue. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. You bet. It's my pleasure. Would you like to tell us a little bit about um, the organization that you work for, uh, Asbury? Sure. Um, Asbury Communities is based in Frederick, Maryland, where our headquarters are. Um, and then we have six um, senior care, senior retirement communities throughout Maryland and Pennsylvania. Very nice. And you also have um, an integrated services division. So you. Yeah. So so Asbury Communities is a uh, it's a nonprofit, but we have a couple um, for profit arms that provide different kinds of services for the organization. So we have an integrated integrated services division, which um, has our a rehab company, our lab and our pharmacy. And then we also have a, a technology company called Thrivewell Tech. Awesome. Yeah. And um, if you haven't heard of Thrivewell Tech, um, one of my favorite people, Maj Alwan, is there leading uh, ThriveWell, and so they're really um, great in, in really facilitating and advocating for um, really cool tech um, platforms that support different parts of senior living, everything from HR to resident care, um, so that's amazing. Um, all right, and I know that we're also going to touch on the Asbury Foundation today. Um, I had as my guest J.D. Schumann, and, uh, who's the president and CEO of the Asbury Foundation, and Andrew John Arett, who's your CFO. Um, just a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, the philanthropic strategic plan and how that's really driving um, the ability for residents to invest in areas of their passion one of which includes brain health. So I know this will come up today <laughs> in our discussion. All right, so let's just start right there. Tell, tell me more, if you would, about Asbury's brain health program. So where did this idea kind of originate? How did it start? And, um, you know, how did Asbury decide that brain fitness or brain health should really be a core priority for resident wellness? You know, I think I think it was a, a number of, of serendipitous events that kind of all came together. 
Um, I was actually hired by Asbury in 2020 during COVID um, because they were looking for a wellness director who had some knowledge of brain health and some knowledge of rehab, which I fit the bill for because I am an occupational therapist and I've spent most of my career in, in the rehabilitation side of, of dementia or you know any kind of brain injury, neurological dysfunction. Um, but then 10 years ago, I became a health coach to get in front of these neurodege- neurodegenerative diseases um, because prevention probably is our best bet. Mm-hmm. So I became, I, so I kind of know both sides of that coin. Um, and then I just have a passion for this, this brain health mission. So it kind of just worked out. And so when I stepped through the, the doors of Asbury Methodist Village in Gaithersburg, um, the, the conversations had already started around ha- starting a, a rock steady boxing program for people with Parkinson's disease. And the donor who was very interested in making that happen, um, you know, she was just so easy to work with and such a dreamer, you know? So we started just like dreaming together of, wow, we could have this and we could have this and we got, and we could just, the vision just kind of expanded into this, you know, brain health center for excellence that has a rock climbing wall and a boxing studio and a tech gym, a technology gym. And I mean, we have all the bells and whistles um, that were initially brought forward by this one resident, resident, but a donor who um, was just passionate about it. So that's kind of how it all came together. It was magical. (laughs) Okay. So really it was um, a donor with um, a vision and you helping to shape that vision on on a specific campus. And then would you say now that that vision has expanded beyond that campus? And what does it look like today? Yeah, so we, uh, we we launched our Brain Health Center um, at the first location in 2021. Um, we had a great deal of success um, right off the bat with as far as um, part- participation, proof of concept, and outcomes, mm. and which meant that we were able to take the show on the road. So I got moved to a position at the corporate office um, as a senior director of well-being and brain health for Asbury Communities. And we're now implementing the brain health program across all of our campuses. So it's, it's really exciting to watch it all yeah. grow. And does it look the same at every campus or is it a little bit different? No, it doesn't. So the, the, the bones of the brain health program called Connections, it's Connections with a K. So it's K-I-N-N. And it's a takeoff on, you know, the word kinetic energy or kinesiology, meaning movement, because it's a very movement-based program because so much of the research supports the, you know, these um, physical exercise interventions being um, neuroprotective, you know, and, and facilitating brain health. So it's very movement-based, um, but it's also, also lifestyle-based. Um, but, you know, not every campus has um, the ability or the size or the, or the resources to have a rock wall and a boxing studio. You know, those are just those extra bells and whistles that have been a blast to implement, but not required to run the connections program. Okay. So, yeah. So tell us about, so um, I heard you say the rock steady boxing, the um, rock, I've seen videos of the rock climbing wall. And I think um, if you give me permission, I'll link to those in the show notes so people can kind of visualize this. I've seen the tech gym. Is there anything else that's part of a brain health center? You know, or maybe we take the Roseboro, the Roseboro Center that you started with. Yeah, so it, it, the Brain Health Center is just sort of, um, it, it's, a, it's basically a wellness center. So there's a, there's a regular fitness gym, there's um, an exercise studio where we hold, you know, the bigger classes, and there's a pool. 
there's also acres and acres of beautiful nature and you know it's 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 a beautiful campus um but the brain health side of things um is really about novel experiences new things that residents really don't typically get exposed to which is why we brought in a rock wall which is why we you know have five boxing classes now not just the rock steady boxing but um and it's a, it's a big focus on lifestyle on on um all the things, all the things in the research that can support brain health. Yeah. is what we implement. Yeah. So I'm going to, I would love you to talk about um, each of the things that um, the components we've mentioned already, because um, I know a, just a little bit about how they connect to brain health, but um, so the rock steady boxing, and I know you said you do different types of boxing and that's probably for movement and physical activity too, but Rocksteady is um, a specific program that works with Parkinson's patients. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So tell us the thought behind what, what, why boxing and, and uh, Parkinson's? Um, Well, the the Rocksteady program is already a licensed program that's been up and running for years. Um, It's all over the country. It's actually, it's worldwide probably. Um, So we have a license to do Rocksteady boxing at our campus. Um, But the other boxing programming um, and all the programming is really based on a lot of principles around what's like, what's the minimal amount of physical exercise that's conducive to brain health, you know, or overall health in general. Then what are the specific um, types of exercise that impact brain health um, across different domains of cognition? Because there's, it's not just about your memory. There's other types of cognition that we have to look at. Um, so it's really a blending of, of best practice, you know, like most adults should get 150 to 300 minutes per week of moderate to vigorous intensity exercise per the CDC. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just looking at that in a retirement setting, that's not little pink weights, you know, right. <laughs> like intensity exercise is, is a half hour to an hour, five days a week of moderately intensive exercise. So you need to be breathing hard and sweating. And it's it's hard to get that with little pink weights, right? right. And, and typical programming. But boxing, oh boy, like heart rate up, sweaty, such a challenge, you know, and that kind of uh, dovetails over to the brain, like the cognitive aspect of it, which is the, the novel experiences, you know, new learning, learning a new task that's out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. where you have to create new um, neural connections because you don't have any existing ones to use. You know, you have to create new ones um, and you're just expanding your, your cognitive reserve in that regard because you're building new new pathways, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of protective in that way too. So we have this really um, elevated physical opportunity, not that it's required, but it's an opportunity mm-hmm. to get to that point. Um, and it's novel, you know, and it's, and there's a lot of uh, challenges we can build in there that kind of elevate one or the other or both at the same time. And the rock wall has the same principles and our extra gaming and our tech gym have the same principles, you know? Sure. Um, and so the, yeah. ro- the rock wall is, um, is it as much about building strength to pull yourself up a, wa- a rock wall as it is the novel experience? Because many people haven't experienced that. Yeah, it's all the things. <laughs> so yeah, it's all of those things. So our rock wall, it's a 22 foot rock wall. So it's not a piece of cake. It's, um, and we have uh, four routes and three auto belays. So the auto belay, the harness that you wear, does not unweight you on your way up. So you're climbing under your own power. 
up as high as you can go. You don't have to go to the top, but if you do, you can ring the bells and everybody claps and it's a lot of fun. But then there's a, there's a lot of learning with that. Like, what's the technique? Um, how do I get down? <laughs> That's a good, <laughs> to pushing off the wall. We call it moon bouncing. You push off the wall and mm-hmm. the balloon towards you, but you have to kind of moon bounce it because, you know, there's a learning curve to it. Um, and then you have to stick the landing. It's, we, we land on mats. It's perfectly safe, but, you know, learning, get your feet down at the right time and distribute your weight. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of motor learning to it. Um, and then, so, and it's a novel activity. And then we can add some cognitive demands too. I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is so fun. Yeah. But we gamify it, right? So let's say um, a person has to, you know, that all the holds on the wall are different colors. So they have to do a rainbow and they have to climb, you know, using alternating on different colors all the way up the wall. Or they play Twister on the wall, which is really amazing. Oh, nice. But you, you can't get complacent with this activity. It has to be harder every, or challenging every time. But they'll spin the wheel and they'll say, you know, right hand blue. And you have to stretch or find the place where your right hand can be on blue. Hold that position until it's your turn again because somebody else is on the wall next to you playing against you. Um, and then move your next limb. And so you're hanging out on the wall with a lot of physical exertion until I love it. You the next limb. Imagine it's really, really challenging. Yeah. And our residents love it. Up to the age of 96, we've had people climbing this wall. Holy Two over, well over 300, 300 people climb the wall up to the age of 96. It's been, it's been very successful and a lot of fun. Yeah. And for them. <laughs> so what, um, I'm just curious, I'm sure you've had um, grandparents bring their grandchildren and say, hey, mm-hmm. check this out. And um, it's it would be cool for them to show off and show what they yeah. could do their grandparents uh, to their grandchildren. But do the kids want to play? And do you oh, yeah. allow them to do that? Do you allow oh, them? Yeah. yeah. We let the kids and the grandparents and, and, the, and the parents in the middle, they all get to climb the wall. So yeah, they're welcome to bring their family. That's awesome. And then, yeah. um, so the tech gym, I've seen it. It's kind of a big screen, and um, I'm sure there's lots of games that people can play. But the one that I saw was um, different spots on the on the screen kind of lit up, and, and you had to kind of touch them in the order that they lit up. But what other, I mean, those the kind of games that are kind of challenging, I'm sure novel activity, but also, you know, there's some cognitive um, demand there too, right? Exactly. So our tech gym is a, is a room that has all our technology in it, our extra gaming um, toys, basically. So what you're describing is our smart fit board, which is a, a panel with um, nine lights on it. And they light up a letter, a number, a color, a shape, or a little smiley face. And there's over 200 games you can play. Um, wow. And they and it's programmable by a lot of factors. Um, so, you know, we and we can again, up the physical challenge with it, you know, say, for example, a game knockout, they have to hit the lights as fast as they can and turn them all off. That's one. And you can do that for time. You want to do it faster every time, right? Um, so let's say you do it in 30 seconds. And then we have you do it standing on one foot. And it takes 45 seconds to knock it out because you're worried about your balance at the same time. This is called dual task training, which is a lot. It's, it's one of the founding principles of our whole program. So dual tasking requires, um, it requires you to think about two things at once, but they have different goals. So maintaining my balance and knocking out the lights are two different goals. It's not doing two things with the same goal. So you'll see that the second time standing on one foot, it took me 45 seconds. So my dual task cost is 15 seconds, right? I can do it 30 seconds 
with both feet on the ground and 45 without with one foot. So the goal would be to shrink that time so that my dual tasking gets better. So I'm better at thinking at two things at once. It's great for fall prevention because a lot of older adults um, really can't do two things at once very well. If, if you talk to them like why they fell, unless it was like a slip and fall kind of thing, they were trying to do something, you know, while they were doing one thing. Yeah. <laughs> they do multiple. Got it. And, and they slow down, you know, and they have to think slower and things. So we try to speed up their thinking, give them multiple things to think about at once. And the, the outcomes have been fantastic. So what we're doing is working. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the outcomes, but I just have a quick um, question as it relates to wellness. You know, we know whether we're talking about um, preventing dementia or, you know, uh, brain health or any chronic disease, we know fitness is a big part of it. We've been talking a lot about that. Um, nutrition is a big part of that as well. So is nutrition integrated in any way in the overall programming for folks who want to take a real preventive approach? Yeah. So um, we, we talk about all the lifestyle factors and, and I call it circling the wagons. So what are all the protective things we can do? And, and nutrition is a big one of them. So, you know, we recommend following the mind diet, for example, which would be a combination of the Mediterranean, Mediterranean and the DASH diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like kind of an easy thing to follow. But we also have, because some of our residents are on a meal plan, might not have a lot of choices that it's spaghetti night. <laughs> so what, but we've built in ways that they can select brain healthy options to build a, a brain healthy meal. So, you know, say like, <clears throat> for example, the, um, the broccoli will have a little brain symbol next to it on the, on the menu. So they can select that item to build a brain healthy kind of um food plan. So yeah, we, we, we push all of these lifestyle interventions, whether it's nutrition or sleep or movement, socialization, all the things we promote all the things. That's (laughs) awesome. Their brains. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you've integrated that right into your dining program because that, um, that makes so much sense and we have to to kind of make it easy, right? I mean, and not just for seniors, but for me. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I wish I yeah. had a menu at home that told me what I should eat for my brain. So, mm-hmm. okay. So tell me about outcomes because um, I'm I'm fascinated to learn what what types of things are you measuring and what have you found with your brain health program so far? Okay. Um, so part of the Connections program is a pretty um, robust assessment program protocol that we use. So um, connections is based on seven cognitive domains. Those domains include your sensory motor function, your perceptual function, attention, memory, executive function, processing speed, language, and social cognition. Um, so we, we, we do a global cognitive assessment you know, that single number that you get when you go to the doctor, you know, your score was at, you know, 29, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't know what to do with that number. Um, you know, is that good? Is it bad? What should I do about it? So we do um, a whole battery of assessments that look at those domains and can kind of, kind of flush out where the weaknesses are. So, for example, we all know that person who's a great talker, you know, like they might have a deficit that's like, huh, like why'd they decide that or why'd they that was, wasn't a good choice, mm-hmm. but they can talk their way out of it or talk around it because they have good language skills. So typically when you have a deficit, you can kind of cover up. You know, we all do this. We mm-hmm. all have strengths and we, we, we compensate, right? We do the best we can. But we try to flush out the where that weaker point is or 
we call it an opportunity for improvement, <laughs> not a weakness. And then we target it with exercises and lifestyle that are that are shown to help that problem. Mm -hmm. So, for example, executive function, which is the judge and jury of your brain and, and the part of your brain that helps you generate options or make a plan or strategy or, or consider consequences when making a decision, that part of your brain, when, when that is, is off, mm -hmm. and we've seen that before, like oh, yeah. a 17-year-old boy is a typical example of poor executive function because they don't know consequences or care. Um, but resistance training, strength training, has been shown to improve um, executive function. It's in the research, bam. So you are going to go to the circuit training class three times a week and, and lift some weights, lift some heavy things. And what you might find is, oh, I don't like to lift heavy things. Yeah, I know. But let's just try it once a week and see how it goes. And then, you know, so that's the coaching aspect is, is finding, like any coach, is yep. finding your goal is here, but let's find a comfortable, manageable way to get there, you know, because it is a give and take. Yeah. But you'll find people avoid the things that they're not good at, and they, like all of us, and they you know, gravitate towards the things they are good at. And we have to kind of navigate that and push them towards those opportunities for improvement. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So this assessment, is it something you developed yourself? And mm -hmm. is it available to, um, I mean, do you can, through any of your service divisions, do you consult with other senior living providers who want to do things like this? Um, well, it's kind of new, right? So um, I did consult with a couple neuroscientists, um, people much smarter than me on, on best practice, what's the best evidence-based um, assessment tool out there. Um, and then we had to navigate our wellness professionals not stepping into the clinical realm, like they're not clinicians. Right. So, and then letting our clinical staff do it when it's appropriate. So if, if, if one of the wellness team members thinks like, all right, this is probably something that needs to be looked at by a clinician. They'll refer to therapy. So our OTs or speech therapists can take a look at their brains using the same, using similar assessment tools for the same goal, you mm -hmm. know, the global cognitive score, the, the domain specific scores. We do, I forgot to mention, <clears throat> um, uh, like um, qual quality of life indicators, like nice. sleep and, you know, sleep and depression and those kind of things. We do like a subjective score, like how do they think they're doing? Mm -hmm. That's kind of important to know too. Um, we might do a caregiver interview to kind of get some ideas of how it's actually going and somebody else's view. <laughs> um, so anyway, the therapy team can do the same type of assessments and come up with a plan the same way. So yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we're very careful about that. Yeah. Well, I think that's really important. And thank you for pointing that out because it is really easy in any industry to have that mix where you have, you know, non-clinical people just right on the edge of the clinical realm. Right. And right. I, I like the way you've kind of um, separated the swim lanes there, so to speak. Um, yeah. Um, so is the idea then that somebody gets assessed, okay, I know what my deficits are, you're going to give me opportunities to work on those deficits. Are, are they assessed then, is the idea like on an annual basis or? So this is how we did it. Um, we call it, first of all, we call it our engagement plan, which records their scores um, and then kind of those opportunities for improvement and their strengths. Uh, and then kind of all the recommendations, like do these lifestyle recommendations and then do these certain targeted things to try to, you know, hone in on, on what they need. So they have their engagement plan. They can take that plan to their doctor and show them, but, you know, we don't share that with anybody or, you know, it's, it's confidential. 
Um, but the outcomes that, so the reassessments, they're really designed to be done annually. Okay. That's how we, that's how we designed it. But um, because we just started the program and we were anxious for some feedback right away, um, we did like the lowest 25 or so scores uh, in six months. We did a six month evaluation of them. 22 of them in six months improved their scores and the three that didn't, didn't follow their plan or, you know, had moved off or gotten sick or something happened. But the 22 that followed their plan improved. Then after a year, now we have 150 people um, following their following their plans. Um, we had 91% improvement um, after one year. And then we had, and of that 9% that didn't, they're the folks that didn't follow their plan, mm-hmm. right? Or they just did their own thing. Maybe they didn't drop it all, drop movement all together, but they, you know, started doing, just kept, doing not what was recommended, but what they preferred. Um, and what was most interesting is the biggest gains, the, the biggest jump in scores were the rock climbers and the boxers. Wow. So, yeah. So that was exciting. So something's but, there. <laughs> yeah. So this is just, and it's a very small sample size. It's not like, you know, this is really publishable yet, but it is exciting, you know, as a new thing, as a new so program that it's looking so so I want to make sure I under uh, that I heard correctly so you have 150 people participating at least in this research or being assessed 91 percent of those 150 saw some kind of improvement yes but I don't think all 150 were reassessed after one year so we have 150 enrolled okay um and I think that's I think that group was probably 60 or 70 people okay that was assessed at that one year mark okay it's time consuming to assess many people. Yeah, no, I know, I know. But think about the impact that you're having on those 60 or 70 people, um, and at least the vast majority of them. I think it's pretty amazing. And I also think it's amazing. I mean, how big is that campus where you're saying 150 people have enrolled at some point? A big yeah, well, it's a it's an it's a huge campus. So this this particular campus has um, 800 independent living residents. Okay. So it's it's fairly large. I think there's 1,400 total. Um, between AL and um, and long-term care, memory care. Mm-hmm. So, um, but those 800, you know, we have 150 of them engaged in the brain health program and working on their their plan. So, so and it's growing all the time. Yeah, so, so fantastic. That is amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know we've kind of, we had these questions all planned out and I've blown it <laughs> completely because I just kept asking, but um uh, we did want to talk about philanthropy and how I um, I believe specifically at your flagship model. Do you call that your flagship model, the Rosebear Center? Rosebear. Sure. Okay. So um, philanthropy helped to fund a, I think a significant portion of that. So tell me about the role of philanthropy and and how you're kind of now connected to the foundation and 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 able to really help the residents realize their passion on on different campuses around brain health. Yeah. It has been such an enlightening, enlightening experience for me because I, I didn't know that you could do it this way, but I think it's so brilliant. But really aligning the residents' passion with their with the opportunities, you know, like that's what you're bringing together, like something they really care about um, with the opportunity to, to implement it somewhere, somehow. So that's how it started with this one donor having an interest in, in Rock City Boxing, which just expanded which led to like other residents who are interested in say like um, an arts program, like a more, more robust arts program and things like that. And then donations kind of funnel that way. Yeah. I would like to see more of that too. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, philanthropy does drive a lot of 
I guess it, it keeps the wheels turning. Like it gets them turning and it keeps them turning because everybody's attention and resources start going toward the thing that's moving forward. You know, like mm-hmm. this is working, you know, let's go. So it's been really great. Um, I think J.D. Schumann does an amazing job of managing or kind of directing this whole philanthropy program and his three-legged stool mm-hmm. that he's always talking about of, yeah. of ways that, you know, uh, that a retirement community makes money is through resident fees and philanthropy and government, whatever else the government's going to donate. So, um, yeah, so philanthropy makes things happen. It sure does. And yeah. what I've always said about brain health, if, you know, my years in senior living is, you know, there's so many people who have um, had family members afflicted by Alzheimer's or some kind of dementia. Um, and if they if they don't currently have symptoms, they want to do everything in their power. And I'm in that camp, by the way. I have two grandmothers who both had Alzheimer's. I, I want to do everything in my power to make sure that I don't have to put put my family through that or suffer throughout that myself. So tell me what I can do today. And I know that everything I do today can impact what happens for me, you know, 20, 30 years down the line. And, and it's just never too late when it comes to brain health. So I can understand, I think. Something never too early. <laughs> yeah. Never too health. early. Thank you. That's a better <laughs> way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah, too honestly, early. Yeah. yeah. Um, so fantastic. And I love, I, I, I really am inspired by how Asbury has um, partnered that philanthropic opportunity with, you know, where the residents really want to see their own campuses develop. So that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, What's next for your um, brain health program? So what, you know, how is this going to evolve over time in your vision? It's always new. So, um, you know, we have, we have brain health coaches now. It's a, it's a kind of a a new and evolving profession. Um, And we're hiring so we have six now. As of yesterday, our sixth one just joined the team. That's one at each campus. And uh, so our brain health coach is, is, it's a wellness professional. They might have a background in fitness or education or um, psycho- psychology, being familiar with, you know, some kind of cognitive testing. Anyway, a diverse background, you know, all have an interest in health and wellness and a passion for older adults. So it's kind of finding this right person. And then we train them <laughs> to learn all the things we can, as much neurology as I can stuff into their heads about, you know, what's happening in the aging brain. Um, so, so that constant learning and perfecting of our education is kind of what I'm doing now, as well as rolling out connections at each site. And, you know, the residents, there's a big learning curve for them, too, um, that takes time to kind of get their mind around doing uncomfortable things why, you know, like, what's the point, or mm-hmm. um, all the physical exertion, like, this is a new concept to, you know, the person in Erie who's never done anything, you know, act, like, athletic before or something, so it it's, takes a while to get the, the culture shifted and excited, you know, in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, is the, um, is the thought with the brain health coaches at each campus that, um, they'll, even if a community doesn't have a center for brain health yet, that, um, they might be able to help with some of the assessment. I mean, cause certainly yeah. as we talked about, you don't need a brain health center to work on your brain health. Um, so that's the thought then. That's exactly what we're doing. So we're starting with assessments and, and they, they each have, um, each campus already has a smart fit board and, a, a a balance, uh, assessment tool called Senso, which is a really cool, mm-hmm. Um, 
It's a really cool um, AI balance system. It's really high tech. So each campus has a toy already, a toy or two, <clears throat> but you don't need the toys. You know, you just, you get the scores. You, you have kind of a matrix to follow. Um, like if these are the deficits, these are the activities that have been shown to improve mm -hmm. that deficit. So they have sort of a recipe to follow. And then it's coaching, mm -hmm. you know, it's just building a good relationship with the residents and, you know, learning some of those motivational techniques that we all need to keep moving forward. And, um, and that's all you need really for a brain health program. If you have a rock wall in a boxing studio, that's, that's gravy. That's wonderful. But yeah, you know, it's not, not required. So we're, yeah, we're already starting. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So um, I'm, you mentioned the balance uh, equipment. Senso, is that the name of it? So yeah. I just want to, um, for my own edification, because I know, again, working in senior living, um, something we're always working on, always have been from a wellness perspective, is fault prevention. You mentioned that earlier. Sure. And, um, and so does that balance um, equipment help with fault prevention? And how does that connect back to brain health? Well, yeah, well, brain and balance kind of go hand in hand. Okay. This balance system is kind of housed in the brain anyway. So, sure. um, and I told you a lot of falls happen as um, a result of not being able to dual task, you know, do, do things at once. Yeah. So the balance system, <clears throat> they're all new, by the way. Like we've only had them a couple of weeks and it's just getting started. But they do assess, um, they look for different strategies unique to every person on how they use their balance. So maybe it's their ankles or their hips or their knees, or maybe they don't weight shift right and left. Maybe they, you know, it's different physical components to balance too, mm -hmm. but it has a, a screen. So it's like kind of like, um, remember this, the game dance dance revolution. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where the arrow goes this way. Yeah. So they're stepping on a force plate in, in sync with the, the screen, you know, but it might be that to step over logs or, you know, follow whatever's on the screen, but the, but the technology's measuring things like yeah. how much weight is shifting or how much, you know, what, where the physical deficits are as well. So sure. there's a lot to be pulled out of these, this technology. I'm just not a master yet. Yeah, <laughs> no, but the way you described it, I can now see, you know, not just uh, obviously the balance, the gate, all those things that are important for fall prevention sound like they're there. And the gaming aspect is um, testing yeah. that that dual tasking that you were talking about earlier. So, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, so you obviously love the work you do and for, um, you know, other senior living executives and professionals that are listening to this podcast, what guidance would you give them about if they're not yet kind of engaging around brain health, brain fitness, um, you know, what's a small way that they could maybe take a step that way or, or what have you found that has really um, engaged your residents and made them want to participate in these types of programs? Um, you know, you need, a, you need a champion or two. That's always helpful. So, and I, and I think one of the greatest resources is the therapy team, um, whether that's in-house or contracted in, there's always that therapist. <laughs> I, I, this is my, my experience. There's always a therapist who really cares about this stuff. Um, that would love to carry the torch for it. Um, but finding other champions, people with personal experience around dementia, around not wanting this to happen to anybody else, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and then you, when you can talk to residents and kind of remove the stigma around cognitive decline, because it's just like, you know, knees go bad and elbows go bad and like, yeah you know, hearts go bad, Thing, things can happen if you don't treat them well. So what are the things we can do to keep your brain healthy and, you know, and keep you sharp throughout your life? And even if it's 
And a great argument is even delaying the, the symptom Contact. progression. You know, we, we don't know enough about the disease, how to cure it or stop it completely, but we can delay for sure. You know, so if you're, if you're willing to be assessed early enough that we can find those areas that might push you toward independence and, and normal cognition longer. I mean, we've given you, not we've given you, but that gives you, you know, a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of quality of life, a lot of good years, you know, where you're not just on this trajectory that has everybody panicked. I mean, you are in control of your decisions and you're being proactive. And I think that's a good message that is well received when you can twist it away from a disease, illness, Mm-hmm. kind of thing to a proactive preventative thing right it helps right yes and the delaying the progression is so important um mm-hmm. i love everything that you've talked about here and um you know the, the, i i just wanted to ask as you were assessing and i know this is new for you but as you're assessing any of your clientele your residents what am i talking about as you're assessing your residents did have you seen anybody that you know, maybe through their assessment, you go, wow, they really, um, you know, maybe they're not, um, haven't been evaluated by a neurologist or the appropriate person where their cognitive impairment is challenged enough that, um, you know, in addition to lifestyle factors, there are medications that delay progression of disease states. And, um, but somebody has to actually have a diagnosis in order to do that and a proper evaluation by a medical professional. So have you referred folks where you say, mm, yeah, you need to, yeah. Yeah. There's been, there's been a few, um, a few catches there, you know, like something's up or something, or it's something that's been obvious to everybody, but the but the resident doesn't buy into the fact that something's yeah wrong <laughs> with me. Um, so yeah, and and that leads to um, I think like it's, it's sort of a, a void and it's a gap in care and it's I think across all kinds of um, industry related um, settings. But like there's a gap between like who who's going to help that person get to the doctor's appointment and who's going to who's going to call the family and update them. And if there's a dynamic there that you get kind of brought into that, that's not really where you belong in that space. And then, you know, like who's managing that for sure middle ground is really, really challenging. So we've had a few tricky ones where, you know, we don't want to overstep. We can't say what we suspect to just anybody. And right. You know, um, so it's been tricky. You know, you have to get permission to talk to families and to talk to, um, neurologists and and if they're not physically able to make that phone call to like set up that appointment and understand why right you know it's and I think that's just a common thing we all run into yeah a person coming in their house and you know that they need something but you can't make it happen so yeah we've seen that a couple times it's just a yeah sticky thing to navigate to your point senior living providers navigate that every day I mean they see it but what um what I think is positive here is that you have the tools that can help to, um, you know, show that, Ooh, there might be something here. And then if the person is amenable, their family's amenable and all those things have to fall into place. But, um, I mean, really we can be getting them care that they might've otherwise not received. And so I think that's a real positive. Yeah. We've built in, um, into kind of the programming they get each resident gets, um, a 30 minute consult a month with, either anybody, it could be a trainer, a physical trainer, like a fitness trainer. It could be a, um, a nutritionist. It could be, or it's the brain health coach most likely. Um, but they can spend that time 
in a three-way call with a family member, mm-hmm. you know, and, and facilitating that, which I didn't foresee that as a job requirement, honestly, when we started. But then when you, to your point, when you see there's a problem here, we have to do something. Well, how do we navigate this? And using the people we have, the resources we have, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty tricky yeah. thing. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's not awesome when it happens, but I'm so glad that you're that you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, advancing um, how we address how as we as senior living providers can really be a partner in brain health, um, addressing healthy behaviors that that support that, um, and and potentially identifying when there are challenges that folks can. Um, you know, choose to work on if they so desire. It's, um, Mm -hmm. it's a really important role. And I love also, I just want to also commend you for bringing the kind of the research component and being able to really speak to those outcomes. I know it's early, but um, I think this is really going to help give direction to our industry in terms of um, what we can do to help we say we help residents be happier and live, you know, um, healthier, more purposeful lives. And this is an absolute direct reflection of that. So um, just kudos to you and all the work that you're doing there. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I want to really thank you for being here today, Sue, and being willing to share your story. I know we're going to get a lot of interest in um, learning more about what Asbury's doing. And I'm happy to be helping to spread the word because I do think it's so inspirational Um, so thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. I love talking about it. So thanks so much. (laughs) I can tell it shows. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Drago and you've been listening to the senior vision visionaries podcast and radio show where we explore cutting edge ideas and breakthroughs that are shaping the future of the senior living industry. Please subscribe to be notified each time an episode drops at seniorlivingvisionaries.com. You can also find all of our prior episodes there, including the episode featuring J.D. Schumann and Andrew Jeanneret from Asbury, talking about how philanthropy supports brain health and many other things at Asbury. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Senior Living Visionaries podcast and radio show where we showcase the leaders and innovators in the industry who are pushing the boundaries and setting the stage for the future in senior living and services. Join us next time as we share the bold ideas and breakthroughs of the industry's most forward-thinking leaders here on Senior Living Visionaries.